We meet today in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 continues the record of Solomon's search for satisfaction uh, through the philosophy of egotism or egoism. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 1. Then I returned and considered all the oppressions that is done under the sun. And look, the tears of the oppressed, but they have no comfort. On the side of their oppressors there is power, but they have no comfort. Now, does this sound to you like any political philosophy in your country? You see, the egoist rebels against the establishment or those in authority. He is opposed to them. However, whatever system exists, whoever is ruling, the poor are always oppressed. Frankly, the poor always get the bad deal. There is no question about that. They are the ones who are oppressed. So the protest movement begin at this particular time. He said, I returned and considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. And look, the tears of the oppressed but they have no comfort. On the side of their oppressors, there is power, but they have no comfort. Therefore, I praised the dead who were already dead more than the living who are still alive. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 2. You see, you have heard the expression, I wish I were dead. Then I'd rather be red than dead. Is just reversing it, but both are rebellions against the establishment or those in authority or those who have means. Death appears to hold no terror for him whatsoever. This person has really lost hope when they speak like that, but they are also turning simply to themselves to say, what will matter is what I will have determined. Yet better than both is he who has never existed, who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 3. Now here is the other side of the coin. He says it would be better for future generations if they were never born. I wish I had never been born is the way that we hear it. But he even wishes that others would not even be born. You can almost sense as if this guy, if he had the opportunity to make sure that he will prevent people from being born, he would do so. Again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work, a man is envied by his neighbor. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4. Now it is interesting that the egoist rebels against the establishment, against the oppressor, against that which is wrong. But what about the man who is doing right? What about the man who is trying to do something about it? Well, he says, that is no good either. It is a waste of time. This is really a pessimistic view of life. If he was to criticize the establishment, the rich, the oppressor, those who are doing wrong, fine. 
Why also not find meaning in those who are doing right? You see, Solomon is trying to find satisfaction in a philosophy that simply looks at himself. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 5. Now, to fold one's hands together is a gesture of resignation and laziness. Of course, when you read Proverbs 6 verse 9 to verse 11, it talks of this very gesture. Now, to consume one's flesh is to bring about one's own ruin and downfall. It does not mean a foolish man is a cannibal. No, it means that he is not willing to do anything to protect himself. He will not work for himself. We have developed quite a society like that today. You see, we have people who want everything given to them, not people who want to work for anything. Better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6 Now, candidly, this is a very good point. Of course, this man wants to do his own thing, but I would say it is better to have it that way than to have his hands full with the travail and with the vexation of his spirit or chasing after the wind. Then I returned and I saw vanity under the sun. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 7. Now, anywhere you go, it is wrong. There is no way out. This is the worst kind of pessimism, my friend. No wonder that colleges and schools and campuses which major in an egoistic philosophy have the highest incidence of suicide. Many people are committing suicide because what they have been taught is simply to look at themselves and not anyone else. It is the old soul that has broken out in corruption. When you think of corruption on the continent of Africa, in your own nation, why are people uh, milking out their own nations and even not giving, rendering the services that they are employed for? Because you see them doing so because they simply look at themselves. Who matters? Not the country. Who matters? Not the public. Who matters? Not my neighbor. Only me. If they can have everything around themselves, they believe that is the better. A pessimistic view of life will lead to egotism that we see revealed in Solomon. Behind all of it is the same pessimism of a philosophy of egotism, which teaches that all comes to naught. Therefore, just make the best that you can in the little time that you have. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, For whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8 What a picture this is. You see, even you look for somebody else and help them, you are just wasting your time. That is what Solomon is saying. 
beginning with verse 8 all the way to verse 12, we find an expression of the tragedy of loneliness and the joy of union. Now, God announced man's need for companionship by saying his being alone was not good in Genesis 2, verse 18. It is not good for a man to be alone. Now, companionship, which is both helpful and profitable, was the design of the Creator from the beginning. The companionship has a threefold reward. Help and support is given. Comfort and warmth are shared. And thirdly, protection and strength are afforded. In the Garden of Eden, the creation of man was incomplete and unfinished until God presented to him for fellowship the helper corresponding to him. Now, this person with a pessimistic view is even seeing no purpose in companionship. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Now he is going to give some reasons for teaming up with someone else. But it will be a selfish reason. Why is he now coming to team with someone? It's not for the good of others, but simply for his own good. You see the egoism that is there. You may be sure of that. He is doing this for selfish reasons. He says that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. You will be able to acquire more by teaming up with someone than by trying to do it alone. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10. You see, Solomon made the discovery that attempting to live just for yourself doesn't mean you can go it alone. You need someone to help you and to stand with you. So he says, woe to him who is alone when he falls. That is the reason they tell us to team up if we go on a hike rather than going alone. In case of an accident, it will actually be better to have someone around. This is a problem of the many, even retired folk, people who have retired and they are living alone in a home. They may fall and break a hip and be unable to get even to the telephone to call for help. Sometimes it is a day or two before a neighbor looks in on them to check if they are doing all right. Here it is better that two be together. If one falls, the other one can help the other. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Ecclesiastes 4 verse 11. Basically, he's saying one member of the team can give warmth to the other member of the team here. Although one may be overpowered by another, Two can withstand him, and a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12. Basically here, if two is a company, then three is a crowd. And sometimes it is well to have a crowd, especially if someone is coming against you. 
We have problems with crime on our streets today. Often it is the person who is alone, who is the victim of crime. I'm told that in certain cities of the world, a woman is not permitted to go alone to a public restroom. My friend, there must always be another to go along with her. It is tragic that we live in such a day. The Bible teaches clearly that unregenerate men has a sinful nature. It should be obvious that civilized man has not lost his sinful nature and he needs restraints rather than liberty. The liberty being exercised in our day is the liberty to hold people up on the streets, liberty to mug them, liberty to make obscene calls, liberty to blare out music that only one or two people want to hear. Liberty is to express oneself in any way that is egotism. My friend, liberty is not license. Freedom is not license. You have freedom to swing your fist, but where my nose begins, it is where your freedom ends. We need to change many of our concepts of freedom today. The self-centered man will not find satisfaction in this life. To be alone in your work may satisfy you for a while, but finally you get tired of it. I don't like to travel alone. I don't want to be alone. Better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king who will be admonished no more. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 13 Commentators through the centuries have struggled to find some historical incident which would parallel the situation described in verses 13 to 16. They suggested that the text may allude to a king who was unknown to history or it may be simply a parallel or illustration. In any case, the writer makes his point that neither high office nor prestigious position can afford true satisfaction and happiness to those who make these things the chief goal and object of their endeavors. I personally believe that this text can also be a commentary of the life of the young Joseph in an Egyptian prison and King Pharaoh. God chose Joseph instead of Pharaoh to craft a plan for the saving of many people during the years of famine. His story is found in Genesis chapters 37 to 41. For he comes out of prison to be king, although he was born poor in his kingdom. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 14. We should be interested in what happens in state governments because it is going to affect our living. Many people become poor because the politicians become rich and influential. Certainly, people have a right to protest against that. The corruption that has arisen in Africa is wrecking businesses, is making many people poor. It is common now to hear people rejoice or sometimes even boast that their material prosperity is a blessing from God. Yet, have you ever heard anyone say, my business failure was a blessing from God? 
Why is it that only good things are seen as a blessing while bad things are viewed as tragedies? Well, human beings see things from a very limited perspective. What looks like a tragedy may be the best thing that ever happened, particularly when God's hand is superintending the outcome. For example, a poor youth whose family sold him into slavery may emerge later as a wise person, fit to be a king. That's essentially what happened to Joseph. Genesis 37 all the way to chapter 50. God is sovereign over the things that happen to us, my friend. That does not mean that everything that happens to us is his responsibility. For example, he does not cause evil. Yet he may permit evil, as he did in Job's life, for reasons that go beyond our understanding. God's sovereignty means that he is God, and he has the right to work out his own purposes in our lives. We tend to be quick to judge whether what happens to us is fair or unfair. How might our perspective change if we took the view that Joseph had when he confronted his brothers. Am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Genesis 50 verse 19 and 30. You can even compare this with Romans chapter 8 verse 28. For we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him. I saw all the living who walk under the sun. They were with the second youth who stands in his place. There was no end of all the people over whom he was made king. Yet those who come afterward will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 15 and verse 16. Now, the second youth who stands up in his place is an interesting one here. Uh, notice that Solomon was a second child. He was a second child of Bathsheba. He was not the child whom David would have chosen to be the next king. Solomon apparently had noted that since Isaac was not the first child and Jacob was not the first child, God has a way of choosing seconds. If you feel that you are a second-class citizen today, remember that you are first-class with God. The second thing to notice here is that later on, things seemed different from what they were at the time. Yet those who come afterward will not rejoice with him or rejoice in him. Someone such as a president of a country, may be very popular during his term of office, then as time begins to recede from him, when the glamour boys and the publicity men are no longer around him, the publicity people no longer make him heard, and the news media are no longer building him up, we can see that his term of office, his time in the office, was actually not a blessing to the nation, but actually a time of deterioration. There was no end of all the people over whom 
he was made king. Even those who come after him will not rejoice in him. What a sad way to look at life. But when you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, he will lead you in the ways of righteousness. Whether you are in office, whether you are in plenty or without, your dignity remains. How many though of our people who have been in office and when they came out of office, they become the worst undignified people. Why? They were living their lives apart from God. Turn over your life to God. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to give you meaning, whether you are in position of power or even in position of weakness. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.